When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are two big stories right now. One that the media is trying to downplay and the other that the media has become obsessed with over the last 24 hours. The headlines say it all. NBC News. Mike Pence, former VP, subpoenaed by special counsel investigating Trump's role in January the 6th, is what one headline reads. And then there's another headline. This one from Bloomberg. House Republicans' Hunter Biden probe begins with a thud. See, it doesn't matter what actually happens in these committee hearings because they've already written the headlines, knowing how to do it from a PR perspective. Now, let's start with the significance or maybe the insignificance of Mike Pence being subpoenaed by the special counsel investigating January the 6th. Here's how the CBS or I say NBC Nightly News led with a story. There is some breaking news right now involving former Vice President Mike Pence, a source familiar with the matter, telling NBC News Pence has been subpoenaed by the special counsel overseeing the investigation into former President Trump. It's unclear what information the special counsel may be seeking. By the way, let's be clear about how this is normal and not just a, you know, oh, my gosh, breaking news story that NBC and the others in the media are trying to turn this into with Wall-to-wall coverage on MSNBC and CNN over the intel that you were just given. Vice President Mike Pence was at the Capitol on January the 6th. Vice Pence had to go into safety, into basically hiding. Mike Pence had to be taken to a secure location within the Capitol. If you have a special counsel that's looking into this, there's no reason to believe that Mike Pence wouldn't be called to testify because he was actually there at the Capitol on January the 6th. This would be a very normal course of business. Is this wall-to-wall breaking news worthy or, oh my gosh, Donald Trump's going to get indicted and going down? No. But if you listen to the news, that's exactly what they're doing with this intel. Their headline, former Vice President Mike Pence has been subpoenaed by the special counsel investigation that is investigating former President Donald Trump's efforts to stay in office after the 2020 election and his role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol, according to a source familiar with the matter. Special counsel Jack Smith was appointed in November by Attorney General Garland to lead the Justice Department inquiries into Trump's role in the riot, as well as the former president's handling of classified documents after he left office that they seized in Mar-a-Lago. The subpoena, they say, is related directly to January 6th investigation. Spokesman for Smith and Pence declined to comment on the matter. ABC News first reported that Pence had been subpoena, and in December, NBC News reported that Smith had subpoenaed local officials in key presidential swing states for, quote, any and all communications involving Trump, 
his campaign and a series of aides and allies who assisted his effort to overturn the 2020 election results. The move was an indication that Smith is probing into a scheme involving fake electors, a slate of individuals who signed documents purported that they were the state's rightful electors and falsely asserted Trump was the victor in those states. The House committee formed to investigate the attack on the Capitol also gathered evidence that the fake electors submitted false certifications of Trump victories to the National Archives in hopes of having Pence substitute them for the actual electoral votes that made Joe Biden the president. The January 6th committee devoted an entire hearing to Pence's role on that day and the intense public and private pressure that Donald Trump applied to Pence to get his, his vice president to interfere with the election count, the electoral count. Pence, as then vice president of the Senate, presided over Congress's certification of the 2020 election results. But that role was strictly ceremonial, with no power to intervene in the counting of electoral votes. Still, Trump sought to apply pressure on his vice president, even after Pence aides, as well as Trump's, said it would be illegal for the then vice president to interfere in the count. That, according to testimony before the January 6th committee, which, remember, there weren't any real Republicans on that committee because Nancy Pelosi wouldn't allow us to be on the committee. In other words, it was a kangaroo court. Now, the Wall Street Journal, in their opinion article, said Pence described telling that to Trump himself during an Oval Office meeting with his lawyer, John Eastman, one of the architects of a memo that outlined a scenario in which Pence could refuse to certify the Electoral College count. After Eastman described his plans as mere theory, Pence wrote that he turned to Trump and said, Mr. President, did you hear that? Even your lawyer doesn't think I have the authority to return to return electoral votes. Pence, who ultimately performed his ceremonial duty in the aftermath of the violence, has said he's proud of what he did on January 6th and, and has declared there's almost no idea more un-American than the notion, this is exact words, that any one person could choose the American president. When asked by NBC News, meet the press in November if he believes Trump committed a crime. Pence said, well, I don't know if it is criminal to listen to bad advice from lawyers. The truth is what the president was repeating is what he was hearing from the gaggle of attorneys around him. Pence went on to say presidents, just like all of us have served, all of us that have served in public life, you have to rely on your team. You have to rely on the credibility of the people around you. And so as time goes on, I hope we can move beyond this, Pence said, beyond that prospect. And this really and this is really a time when our country ought to be healing, quote unquote. The former vice president who has hinted that he is considering a run for president in 2024. And there's no way to uh, under to understate this. He's not hinting at it. He's wanting to do it. He's seeing if there's a pathway for a Pence 2024 presidential campaign which means he would literally be running against his former boss, the former president of the United States of America, Donald Trump, who's already declared. So are there politics involved in how Pence responds to some of this? Of course there's going to be. We all know this. We also know that he has criticized Donald Trump and his actions on January the 6th. As a mob of then-President Trump supporters descended on the Capitol... Okay, Trump tweeted that Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution. Promoting the chants that were happening at the Capitol of Hang Mike Pence. As rioters sought out the vice president who had been rushed to a secure location. 
In November, Pence called Trump's January 6th tweets about him reckless and said the remarks angered him, quote unquote. I mean, the president's words were reckless and his actions were reckless, Pence said in an interview with ABC's David Muir. He added the president's words that day at the rally endangered me and my family and everyone at the Capitol building. So it's very clear here that Mike Pence and the president are no longer going to be tight friends. In fact, I think they're, it's fair to say they're now political enemies over this. Now, the question is, is this really a big deal that Pence was subpoenaed? The answer is no. Is Mike Pence's story one that people are interested in? Of course. But does this spell doom and gloom for Donald Trump the way the media is trying to imply it? It does not. And that's part of the problem here with the media. They always overstate things that deal with bad news, especially if that bad news is specifically for Donald Trump. And the special counsel, Jack Smith, who's overseeing this inquiry, knows that. But he's just wanting to paint a picture. He's wanting to paint a picture of Trump's efforts to cling to power and try to say that Donald Trump was trying to overthrow the will of the people and that this was a, in essence, coup attempt by Donald Trump and those on January the 6th. That is the narrative. Now, if I was Mike Pence on January, January the 6th, full disclosure, would I be mad as hell at what Donald Trump did that day? Yes, I would be. Would I have an axe to grind with the former president? Absolutely. But the reporting should be reporting it that way. I mean, you've got to be pissed, okay, if you're Mike Pence on January the 6th. You're in a secure location. You're having to be rushed from the Senate floor. You've got your family with you. You're doing your constitutional duty, and then this is happening around you. I'd be livid if I was him. Okay, I would be. I'd be furious. But also, to be clear, the article should talk about that. They're not. And why are they not? They're not doing it because they don't want to tell you the truth. They want to turn this into a massive story. Now, while all this is happening, the media is also trying to downplay the big breaking news on Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And Bloomberg, again, this is, this is propaganda. I want, you to be, I want to be clear about that. This is propaganda. This headline, House Republicans, Hunter Biden Pro begins with a thud. That's a lie, but that's their headline. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Bloomberg has a narrative they want to push, and that is that the House Republicans in day one failed to open their investigation into the finances of Joe Biden's family to produce evidence sustaining their claims that U.S. intelligence officials worked with Twitter to suppress an unflattering 2020 news story on the president's son. Former Twitter Inc. officials testified Wednesday that their decision to limit the spread of the New York Post story about Hunter Biden's now infamous laptop and his overseas business dealings was, in hindsight, a mistake. They said that before Congress. But they said they weren't directed by the FBI or other intelligence officials and the action wasn't politically motivated. So there you have it. Because these Twitter officials are, are lying about why they did what they did, 
Now the media is saying, oh, see, there's no there there. They did this on their own. They were just stupid. They got bamboozled. Uh, but this wasn't directed by the FBI. Okay. That this whole entire article from Bloomberg is 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 nothing but state sponsored propaganda, and it's disgusting. Here's why we know it is state sponsored propaganda. That is disgusting. They were having regular meetings with the FBI. The FBI came in to Twitter days before the story was released. And warn them of a major story that could be breaking involving Russia's potential in interference in our election. They gave them a heads up. Heads up, something big may break. And if it does break, which means they knew the story was coming out from the New York Post, be ready and don't get bamboozled. Whatever you do, just don't get bamboozled. Okay? That's what they're saying. And then they say, and this article says, oh, well, they, you know, there was no there there. They didn't actually warn them directly. And that's true. They didn't come in and say, hey, the New York Post is going to publish this article and don't let it go anywhere because it's Russian disinformation. They didn't do that. Why that? Why did the FBI not say that directly? I'll tell you exactly why. Because they knew the story was true. They knew the laptop was real. They knew it was authentic and they had a copy of it. And they knew from whistleblowers that it was authentic. And they knew because uh, of all their information data that this was all actually real. So they couldn't walk into Twitter and say directly, hey, you're about to get a BS story about Hunter Biden. And the media has been bamboozled by this story. And there's going to be a fake laptop story. And it's really fake. It's not a real laptop. And it's not Hunter Biden's. They couldn't say that. So instead, what did the FBI do? Because they're smart. Hey, guys. There's going to be a Russian disinformation article, right? There's going to be a Russian disinformation story that comes out that may break before the election day, right? May break, just might. It might break. And if it does break, you guys don't get bamboozled by it. That's what they're saying. That's what this is. Be very clear about it. That's what this is. Now, there's another aspect of the story that we need to talk about, okay? Okay. And the aspect of the story is the fact that the media now is saying we have to protect the presidency at all costs. We've got to separate this out. We've got to act like every time there's a big moment in these hearings that we already knew this, like this is old news. And that's what they're trying to do here. They're trying to imply that it's all old news. Every part of it's old news. Every bit of this is old news. None of this is new. None of this is earth shattering. This is just straight up normal. That's what they're trying to say here. Okay, that's that's what this is. And they're doing a hell of a job. They're doing one hell of a job pulling this off. You write these headlines this way. House Republican Hunter Biden Pro begins with a thud. That's how they described it. It's nothing here. Right? There's there's a there's no there there, right? This is a thud. This is a, they're already this this thing's already unraveling. It started the first day of the hearing and they're already saying it's over. Many of the documents Republican display, they go on to say at the House Oversight hearing, were from so-called Twitter files. Well, they're not so-called Twitter files. They are the Twitter files. They're released by Twitter since Elon Musk has bought them. So why would you undermine them by calling them so-called? Because, again, this is propaganda. A series of reports shared by journalists who were involved or were invited by Elon Musk to, Elon Musk to examine Twitter's handling of controversial decisions made under the company's pre- previous leaders. The first installment of the Twitter files focused on the company's treatment of the New York Post story. 
Musk gave the journalists access to company emails and Slack messages, and many of those messages were then published on Twitter. Most of the reports suggest without evidence that Twitter made decisions based on demands and pressures from the FBI and the Biden campaign. Okay, there is evidence. The entire Twitter files, if you go back, show the evidence that they were meeting with the FBI and they were getting direct emails from staffers and people on the Biden campaign. It's not indirect. There's no... There's no claims of this without evidence. The Twitter files, in fact, was the evidence to back it up. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan said, I think you guys wanted to take it down, referring to the Hunter Biden story. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that he became president. That's why. I think you guys got played by the FBI. That is the words of Jim Jordan. He's right. Republicans... Bloomberg goes on to write, repeatedly asked witnesses to recall years old emails and implying that that's like unrealistic. The contents of which the former employee said they no longer have access to and do not recall the details. Well, that's convenient, isn't it? At one point, the power in the room went out and the panel had to recess, stretching the hearing into the afternoon. James Baker, a former lawyer for Twitter who previously worked for the FBI at a top high level, said he didn't act as an agent or an operator of the government while working for the social media company. Baker said the company's actions were fully consistent with the First Amendment. That's also a lie. They were silencing members of Congress who put out things they didn't like. Some of the information actually came from the United States government's own websites, and they didn't like it. So these are just some of the things. I want to be clear here. These are just some of the things that happen. And they're going to keep lying to you. And the reason why they keep lying to you, I think, is pretty clear. They want to lie to you because they wanted this story to go away. And this is the only way to fight back on it. Okay, like this is it. This is the only way to fight back. This is the only possible way to fight back. And if you don't fight back this way, right, if you don't really come back after them this way, you've got a problem here. This story actually gains legs and this story actually goes somewhere. They therefore have to write the headlines and these headlines, I would argue, have been written for months. They knew how they were going to spin this when this started. They're going to say, okay, let's tell everybody that it opened with a thud. Let's tell everybody it was a dud investigation from the very beginning. Let's tell everybody that this was just a, a thud of a moment here. That there was no there, there. Let's undermine it and say nothing new is coming out of these hearings. Now, I would argue this. There's not a lot new coming out of these theories. We already have it all from the Twitter files. Well, it's new from these hearings that's newsworthy is the fact that you have former executives at Twitter who are now being held accountable for their words and their actions that have been now leaked. Actually, let's not even call it leaked have now been exposed because of Elon Musk's bravery to buy a company and then expose how they did business. The Twitter files are about exposing the corruption of big tech. And these types of conversations that they were having at Twitter, I have no doubt, are the same exact type of conversations that are happening at Google and Facebook and YouTube. There's somebody they don't like, something they don't like. What do you do? You just silence it and shut it down forever. That's how you roll here. That's what you do. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me just take a quick pause here, and I do want to tell you about our friends at Augusta Precious Metals. If you've been saving for a long time for retirement, you know that you need to protect your money. And one way to do that is with a gold IRA. I'm excited about telling you about a company that I actually use. I have actually worked with Augusta Precious Metals. They are different because they will even tell you if a gold IRA isn't your answer. They give you just the facts. Now, Augusta Precious Metal is all about protecting your IRA and your 401k. They're great people at a great conservative company. They're great people at a great conservative company. They understand right now that it's crazy with our economy. And it's extremely important, especially if you're close to retirement, to protect your assets because there's no time to make up losses. So if you've saved $100,000 or more, then you should take a look at their free guide. And you should really sign up for something that I've done. It's a web conference where you talk to a top individual about gold IRAs and your 401k. Check them out and get the peace of mind that you're protecting your hard-earned assets when you get really close to retirement. 877-4-GOLD-IRA. 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Or visit them online at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Say, I sent you, and they will pay your fees for up to 10 years. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Chinese spy balloon is a topic, apparently, of conversation only if you're the president on Telemundo. You do a big interview with Telemundo. That's where you go to do this. Joining me now to talk about this is U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. Senator Uh, Always nice to chat with you. Uh, If you want to know how much this White House doesn't want to talk about the Chinese spy balloon, you just got to look at the exclusive interview they gave to Telemundo so they could talk about the Chinese spy balloon. So no one would actually hear what the president has to say in case there was a tough question. And this is what Joe Biden had to say, and I want to get your reaction to it. Uh, Now that we know what we know, that the balloon had antennas and a a communication system, do you regret not having insisted on bringing it down sooner. No, I think the expert, the intelligence community, defense community, they forgot more about it than you or I know. I said I wanted to shut down as soon as possible. And they were worried about the damage that could be done even in a big state like Montana. This thing was gigantic. What happened if it came down and hit a school in the rural area? What happened if it came down? So I told them as soon as they could shoot it down, shoot it down. They made a wise decision. They shot it down over water to recovering most of the parts and they're good. And wasn't it a major security breach for the United States, just the fact that the balloon came into the airspace and flew over the country for so many days? No, look, (laughs) the total amount of uh, intelligence gatherings going on by every country around the world is overwhelming. And the idea that a balloon could traverse, uh, break American airspace is, uh, anyway... It's, it's not a major breach. 
It's not a major breach. Senator, I was shocked to, to, to see him not only lose his train of thought on such an important issue, but also to imply that it's just not a big deal that this balloon came over the United States of America and our most sensitive military bases uh, and, and where we keep our most important defensive weaponry. Your thoughts? It was astounding to us that they didn't bring this forward. There was no briefing to Congress. Our first briefing on this was yesterday. And it's like they had to get their story straight, their act together before they gave us a classified briefing. And then you have to think about it like this. They could see this thing coming. It was over the Illusion Islands. They could have shot it down there after it was into our space and over Alaska, or they could have done probably what would have been the smarter thing, attached some balloons to it so that they could walk the payload down and see what was in it and get rid of that balloon that was hoisting it. But see, nobody knew what was in that balloon, and nobody knew exactly what was in the payload. So it would have made sense to take care of it on the front end rather than waiting until it has traipsed across the whole country gathering information, collecting signals, collecting data, surveilling, and then they say, oh, yeah, let's go ahead and let's shoot it down. There still hasn't been a warning to China from this administration, and I think this is notable, to never do this again. China, by the way, has warned us, how dare you shoot down our balloon that incurred, that went into your airspace over your country and we hold the right to respond uh, with, with, with some sort of force, yet they're warning us, and our president still hasn't directly said to the Chinese, hey, you better not do that, pull this blank again, because if you do, there will be real consequences. No one's mentioned sanctions. No one's mentioned anything as a response, a diplomatic response to China for doing this. Well, you're right about that. And the Biden administration is fearful of the Chinese Communist Party. They're afraid of them. They um, maybe, maybe uh, they're beholden to them. Maybe Hunter is still doing business with them. Maybe Biden Incorporated is still doing business with them. Maybe the Biden administration is fearful of what I call the new axis of evil, Russia, China, Iran, North Korea. So maybe they're trying to tiptoe around them and not tick them off. But I will tell you this. The Chinese Communist Party would never have done something like this with President Donald Trump and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. They would never have tried something like this. The Iranians are now making drones in Russia. You know, they've given Russia 6,000 drones to use in the fight against Ukraine. They would never have done that with a President Donald Trump and a Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. They would have not tried to get a restart on the Iran nuclear deal because they knew there were things that were off the table. North Korea has been sending rockets to Russia to fight the Ukrainians. They would never have thought about doing that under President Donald Trump. 
And China, of course, is buying Russia's oil. They are banking them. They're sending them navigation equipment because they know this administration is not going to hold them to account. Well, let's talk about, and I know you can't tell us what was said in the classified briefing, but I, but I want to talk about one aspect of this. I feel like that if it wouldn't have been literally for American citizens who spotted this damn balloon, that this administration, if they could have, would have never told anyone, including you and your colleagues in the Senate, that this balloon went across the United States of America. They were forced to disclose this. How concerned are you now, excuse me, how concerned are you now that they are not disclosing important information just like this balloon to Congress knowing that this was, again, you guys got your first briefing yesterday. That's correct. And see, you're exactly right. There was a, a pilot who had a great camera lens because he also was a reporter and he was watching this. So with that high def lens, he takes that picture. He puts it up on their site, their website, and says, hey, has anybody, is anybody else watching this? Anybody know anything about it? And that is the only reason that this administration had to step forward and talk about it. It's the only reason we know about it, because we've got a citizen who saw something and said, this is not right. Let's see what other people know about this. And he put it out there. So then you had the administration say, this is what we ha- what we know, and we're watching it, and it's nothing dangerous. Uh, the Chinese say it's a weather balloon. And then, because of the American people finding out about this and just being incensed with the actions of this administration regarding the balloon, then Antony Blinken, the current Secretary of State, who nobody is afraid of, decided he would cancel his trip to Beijing. Then he reaches out to his counterpart in China to see if they can talk about this. And three days later, the Chinese Communist Party gets back to Blinken and says, we will not take your call. So It's it's amazing how weak we are. It's not going to do anything. Joe Biden is weak. They know it. Joe Biden, I don't think the president ever said, let's shoot down that balloon. If he had given that order, the Pentagon would have had to carry out that order. So I don't know many people that think he gave that order. And I've talked to a lot of retired military over the past couple of days. And they seem to think if he had given that order, that balloon would have been shot down wherever it was. Last question on this, and then I want to move to budgets uh, and, and spending cuts that you're helping propose right now. But when you when you look at the intel, Democrats are now coming out saying this balloon and what it gathered was not a threat to our national security and really isn't that big of a deal, implying that this was more of like just kind of the same thing they could, quote, do from their satellites. I believe China never does anything by accident. I believe they were clearly trying to gather until they couldn't gather from satellites uh, you've been briefed on this. Do you believe that this was not that big of an intelligence gathering mission or was this a very successful mission 
and the administration is just misleading the American people on that. I am very concerned that the administration is misleading the American people on that. There's a couple of points that are vitally important here. Number one, getting within 60,000 feet is um, to the point that they could surveil. They were going over, they stayed over um, Montana, Idaho, Dakotas, places where we have some of our ICBMs, the silos, um, things of that nature. And we know that they are trying to assess our nuclear capacity. So it's North Korea, who is one of their uh, cohorts in the axis of evil. So that is of concern. And then they just seem to kind of make their way across military posts across the country. And when we look at our military post and our critical infrastructure, we've been fighting to keep the Chinese Communist Party from buying farms and land near our military post. Why were they wanting to do that? So they could surveil our military post. So, you know, Ben, we've got to take that into account. And by the way, my amendment that would have prohibited the Demo uh, the Chinese Communist Party from buying our U.S. farmland, every one of those Democrats voted against it. Every one wow. of them. So they're for it. They're for it. Yeah. And so they're all dancing around trying to figure out how they're not going to tell us what's really happening with the spy balloon. Now, the other thing that is important about this is if they had taken that balloon down early on, and as I said, they could have attached other balloons to that payload, imploded the balloon that was supporting the payload, and very carefully walked that payload down. Uh, they chose not to do that. This is a sign of weakness. They invaded our, um, our airspace. They have invaded our sovereign territory. We have a president who did nothing. They are testing him. He is failing the test. Uh, lastly, something else very important you're working on. You proposed across-the-board spending cuts amid the debt ceiling fight. Uh, Democrats have been basically positioning themselves to say, well, there may be a government shutdown if the Republicans don't agree with us, and it will be their fault. Talk about the politics of this and talk about actual spending cuts, because our deficit, you and I have talked about this before, is clearly it, totally out of control. Right. And what we have to realize is that Joe Biden has increased our federal debt load nearly $5 trillion since he's been in office. $5 trillion. So that's where... Our debt um, is currently under his administration. The total is over $31 trillion. So the bills that I propose every year, you cut either 1%, which is a penny out of a dollar, 2%, which is two pennies out of a dollar, or a nickel, which is uh, a 5% cut. And you do that across the board 
in all of your discretionary spending. That forces these federal agencies to start to work and make some spending reductions. Now, the president erroneously says that Republicans are trying to cut Medicare and Social Security, which is a lie. Republicans are not. Yeah, that you was one of the most awkward. Uh, by the way, that was one of the most awkward moments during the State of the Union, where the president yeah. tried to accuse all the Republicans of wanting to cut uh, Social Security, the third rail in politics. And then I was glad that you guys responded very loudly, made it awkward, and then he had to admit, "Okay, well, maybe it's not all of you." Then he says, "Okay, well, maybe we agree on this." It was one of the most awkward moments I've ever seen in the State of the Union. Well, it was very awkward because there's no Republican that has done that. There's no one that has said, let's cut the benefits to Medicare and Social Security recipients. Nobody. And so this is another of those things that they're just making up. But in order to right-size this budget, what you have to do is begin the process of cutting into that baseline so that because what the federal agencies do, they say, look, you gave us $100 last year. We're asking for 110 this year. And when they get 105 what do they all go out there and say? They say, you cut us. And that is just not true. So what we're saying is if you got $100 last year, we're going to give you 99 or we're going to give you 98 or we're going to give you 95 but you're not going to get 100. And doing those cuts, having these agencies begin that process is important. And, you know, if it were up to me, every agency would exercise zero-based budgeting and go back to dollar one and totally reassess their projects and programs and inside of that be required to save that penny on the dollar. Senator, I appreciate you coming on. As always, good to chat with you. All right, lastly, please make sure you hit that subscribe button or auto-download button wherever you are listening to this podcast right now and take a moment to write us a five-star review. Uh, Many on the left have been attacking our podcast, writing us bad reviews on purpose. So if you would help us fight back by writing us a good review, a five-star review, and share this podcast with your family and friends on social media to help us grow, see you back here tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.